Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 117? 117. 117. Uh, so the Super Bowl just wrapped up over this past weekend. As much as it pains me to say, Tom Brady has, in my mind, solidified himself as the greatest quarterback of all time, as much as I don't want to admit it. So, because we're in our denial, we're going to talk about movie athletes instead, not just football all fictional athletes are welcome to the Uncharted Media Podcast. That's what we're going to be talking about in honor of the Super Bowl. Before we get into all that, Michael, how you doing tonight? I'm well, sir. We uh, we had an adventure trying to get here. We we did oh a hundred and hundred and one ways to not do a podcast tonight. So thank you for bearing with me. I'm doing well. A little bit flustered at the moment because I was I was frustrated for a while. But audio issues aside, I'm doing well. Thank you, buddy. We have a lot to talk about tonight. It's a privilege to be back. So, yeah, off the top, uh, I got a couple things that I've been watching. Um, some good and some not so good, but not as bad as I was expecting them to be. Uh, first of all, Heather and I, I, I don't know what compelled us to. Um, was more just kind of sick of seeing it in my HBO Max queue, so we finally watched it. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I had seen the musical when our college did it, primarily because one of my communications professor was the evil dentist, and we're like, oh, we have to see that, because he's not the type of professor that you would think would be in a musical or a play at all, but he was great. Um, the movie was pretty good. Um, I'm not the biggest musical fan, but good, catchy music, great choreography. Um didn't know going into it that it was directed by Frank Oz. So I was like, that's a win in my book. Frank Oz, um, Rick Moranis once again, just proving he's just a national treasure and I cannot wait for his return. The other one that we watched might surprise you, Michael. Um, again, flipping through HBO Max, got kind of bored. Not going to lie, I started watching Da Vinci Code because it's been on my bucket list of, I need to watch this at some point because all I remember about this is just the controversy that the church got all mad about with the Da Vinci Code. Um, I'm not going to lie, I turned it off after 10 minutes because the movie took itself way too seriously of, he's the greatest crime solver ever. I'm just like, okay, you're kind of full of yourself right now. It's just, I wasn't feeling it. So I'm sure I'll go back to it at some point. I put on X-Men Dark Phoenix instead because oh, I'm a completionist and I haven't seen that or X-Men Apocalypse yet because I'd heard they're bad. I'm here to report that it's kind of true. I haven't seen X-Men Apocalypse yet, but I was expecting more of a dumpster fire for Dark Phoenix. It really wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. However, I'm not going to say it was good. Uh, Heather and I were remarking the whole time, and I felt bad because, believe it or not, this was the first X-Men movie Heather has seen. Um, so I'm like trying to... Well, I'm trying to that's like, a good thing. I'm trying to explain the whole timeline to her, and she's like, well, in this timeline, she's like, what do you mean in this timeline? I'm like, it goes one, two, three, spin-off, spin-off, prequel, prequel, combined, pre-sequel, pre- pre- whatever. She's like... I think I track. I'm like, it's just like Back to the Future, except way more complicated. But both of us are watching Dark Phoenix, and it's really not that bad, but both of us, even come from Heather, who had not seen any of the X-Men, it was blatantly obvious that literally everyone in this movie was phoning it in. Like, they could not give a crap at all, except for two people. James McAvoy 
and Michael Fassbender. Like, as soon as they came on screen, I was just like, oh, thank goodness, we have actors that'll actually try. And they did! They had no reason to try whatsoever, because this movie's really not that great. It's not nearly as bad as I was expecting it to be. I was expecting this to be, like, a dumpster fire, one of the worst comic book movies I've ever seen. It's not awful, it's just really forgettable, and no one's trying at all. There's also no real logic of, like, why is Jean Grey mad sometimes, and why is she not? But the big question that I always was scratching my head is, Beast is in this movie. Why is he human sometimes, and why is he fur monster sometimes? And he could just switch. Did I miss something with X-Men Apocalypse? Am I that out of touch with the older X-Men that I forget what happened there? Or was it just Nicholas Holt didn't want to wear the makeup, and so he's human, just like Jennifer Lawrence for most of this? Lucky for her, though, she at least got killed off, spoiler alert, super early, because she refused to be in another movie. Um, It wasn't awful but you could tell no one gave a crap about this movie it's like when you put your two weeks in at work that last week you just don't care yeah well i uh i'll say that for your listeners uh this was the movie that our mutual friend dan and i were fortunate enough to see at a actual hollywood premiere that's right you did yeah so Dan won a contest through Twitter, and uh, and the contest was uh, all expenses paid. It was three days in L.A., two nights at a five-star hotel, upon which we were we rode. Uh, and we had a driver pick us up and take us to the premiere on the red carpet. You know, E, like Entertainment Tonight, was there. I saw one of the Russo brothers. I saw I didn't see Jennifer Lawrence, but I saw James McAvoy's, I Michael Fassbender, and Nicholas Holt. Um, and we had really good seats at uh, the El Capitan uh, Theater, and or no, excuse me, we were at the Chinese Theater. We were at the Chinese uh, in in downtown in West Hollywood, and it was a. I could talk about that experience. You could have me on just to talk about that, but that was the movie, and Dan had never seen any of them in this timeline, and literally the credits roll he turns to me and says well that was a snoozer <laughs> i'll never <laughs> i'll never forget and the thing is we had tickets to the after party so we we went to a hollywood after party where there and we it there still at a, sucked it was still terrible like you guys yeah. were buttered up like nobody could be buttered up and you yeah. still didn't like it like the movie like, the experience i'm sure was fantastic but it was eye opening but yeah no one was excited to be there <laughs> Like, uh, it was like if prom was held in somebody's basement. Like, that's what it felt like. I'm just getting vibes of, uh, Michael, do you remember Big Fat Liar with Paul Giamatti and Frankie Muniz? I'm getting vibes of, like, when they all go to, um, what's the um, fake movie with Urkel and the chicken? They go to that after party, and they're just like, that stunk. Like, everyone's talking about how bad the movie was at the after party, and everyone's like, that was just bad. That's what I'm picturing your after party experience being like for X-Men Dark Phoenix. Again, uh, take all that aside. Do you think it's really that bad, or just forgettable? It, I mean, it's not forgettable for me, but I am I'm coming from a different perspective. I will always remember this movie for all of the wrong reasons. Uh, it is. It, it's just not good. Mm-hmm. Be, and it had so much money behind. It. Like the like, it had a great cast. They the lore. That's the thing is the drop off. Like between like first class is just so well done. Different and, director, uh, not a first time yeah, director ex- too. No, yeah, exactly. And then and the apocalypse was. It was like um, 
you know, that it was it was it's kind of like the reverse James Bond. You had a first class, then you had Days of Future Past, which was insanely good. And then you still had still my favorite. Days of Future Past yeah. is still my favorite. Yeah. And then you had this massive drop off here uh with, with Apocalypse. Like Apocalypse I still find enjoyable. It's just weird. It doesn't feel like it belongs in the same universe and you, you'll get that when you watch it. Um, and then this one, it's like, what the heck was going on? Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. That's why it was confusing to me is because it's like, I actually like this universe. And, and for, for that film to kind of just not, like, they, they didn't invest. I mean, they invested the money, but I don't know why. Uh, I'd have to go back and track, like, the, the developmental hell well, this, this movie went through. But It had a it's, bunch it's of delays, like, at least two different delays, I think. One of them was caused because, if I remember correctly, the original ending they felt, uh, was too similar to the ending of Captain Marvel, um, so that's where that's why everything takes place in that train in a very small condensed location, so as not to copy Captain Marvel. Supposedly, that's one of the reasons it was delayed. As bad as this movie was, it's it's not awful. I'm not gonna lie, I still got really sentimental at the end when Magneto shows up with the chess set, going, "This is the last time we're probably gonna see these guys together," or segueing us into our main news topics mm. is it the last time that we're going to see the characters from X-Men Dark Phoenix when we saw them or is something else on the horizon sooner rather than later as it seems like WandaVision we're going to be talking about this for a little bit so spoiler alert if you're not 100% caught up with WandaVision through episode 5 at this point because um the main actress, one of the main actors on WandaVision, Elizabeth Olsen, was recently asked in an interview if, um, since it's a Disney Plus show like The Mandalorian, if WandaVision would have a similar cameo to the level of a Luke Skywalker, to which she replied, yes. And as the internet is prone to do, it just lit up with speculation, especially given what happened in the most recent episode. Now, unfortunately, I was not 100% shocked by what happened at the end of episode 5 because it had been leaked um there have been some serious leaks that happened and supposedly marvel's taking like legal action um but i wasn't expecting it in episode 5 it's supposed to be in episode 6 that that character that shows up so again massive spoiler alert because in order to talk about what we're going to talk about we have to dip into spoilers here so spoilers coming in 5 4 3 2 so we have a new Pietro, don't we? Um, yes. We have Quicksilver, and I'm not gonna lie. I know it wasn't him, but my first thought when you see the back of his head and it's the silver hair, I didn't think, "Oh, it's Pietro from it's it's Quicksilver." I thought, "Oh, is that Wade from Ready Player One?" My brain was just not working that day because like the hair, oh, wow. the haircut looked exactly like the back. The haircut with the jacket looked exactly like Wade's avatar in Ready Player One, and I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my mind. Okay, instead. that's that's hilarious. Um, but it's not Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver. It was Evan Peters' Quicksilver. Which coming back to Dark Phoenix, how disrespectful were they to that character in that movie? It was just, oh yeah, you got injured. You're out for the whole movie. Guys, guys, I'm fine. Tis yeah. but a scratch. Nope, nope, you're out for the whole movie. Uh, you could solve everything really, really quickly, so we're just going to bench you. Uh, but this has opened up a world of possibilities, so that's where we're going to kind of break down this segment of what do we think of the Evan Peters thing? What do we think his role is? And if or who we think this 
Luke Skywalker cameo is because there's some thinking out there that Evan Peters is the cameo. Like this is, holy crap, we have a former Fox X-Men character. I'm not entirely convinced that he is the Luke Skywalker type cameo. Um, but before we get into that, Michael, what was your initial reaction? And do you think he's the cameo? Yeah, that that was it's very strange. Like the way they are doing this show is it's beyond uh, anything like the other. It goes beyond any sort of storytelling they've tried to do before. And it keeps you guessing. And I've had a blast so far because this was the show I was looking forward to the least. Same. Like I had, I had no desire because the way they marketed it, uh, and they hid that the fact that hey, there is something wrong. At least in the initial, the initial advertising, it, it's like oh okay, like they have powers. Like it, it honestly looked like it was a joke. Um, and I was like okay, I, it could be a cute ride. And I'm just like I just don't want to get involved, but. Then it's like that's the more they got in the marketing, it's like wait a minute, this there's more than MCI here. Like this, this is it, you know, it kept me curious. So as they've been progressing through the story, when we got to this point, knowing that her her brother is something that she had talked about in earlier episodes, uh, you know, for me, I I do miss the fact that we have never ever gone back with Wanda and she's never talked about it. So I it has been gratifying as a fan, to see her character still deal with that loss. Like, I think it's really important for her. So when I saw the back of the head, I was like, whoa, like they really bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson. Of course, then her reaction, you know, her reaction makes it seem like that should be him. But then, you know, but she's reacting with the same type of like shock and awe as if it was him. Of course, then you have Kat Dennings, Kat Dennings saying she recast him. Yes, and which so, I thought was a very clever line. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like that. That's very great. And um, I, I don't know. I honestly have no idea what to make of this because, in a way, I'm, I'm somewhat disappointed because I do wish there was some kind of closure there with her actual brother, as, as we know it. Um, so I, I don't really know what to think. Um, and this is where I want to ask you. I want to ask you two questions before you kind of get to your, your thing that you teased me with earlier. Is that one? Why? Do you think they didn't decide to go with Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson? And then two, I've wanted to ask you this all week. So there's the first question. The second one is, what do you think of all the characters to bring back? Why is Kat Dennington's character back? Because I know you were a huge fan of her. She was literally the worst character in the MCU. Until <laughs> WandaVision. I, I will be man enough to admit when I am wrong. And I have so far been wrong about what they've done with Darcy. Uh, I still hate what she was and... Thor, she's totally pointless, but this, they've kind of like fixed her and remedied her and made her an actual important character to the show, which I really appreciate. Um, first question, why do you think it was Evan Peters, right? I, yeah. That's yeah. something I'm still trying to figure out, but I know it can't be an accident because Marvel, you know, they're so known for accidentally doing things and not, you know, strategically oh, yeah. planning things. I don't know. Now, is this just a fake-out? Possibly. Um, ish, I think, end of the day, I don't know if this is going to be our Quicksilver going forward, if she's going to miraculously bring him back, uh, and it's now going to be Evan Peters instead. I think they didn't bring back Taylor Johnson because the shock value is bigger if it's Evan Peters versus Aaron Taylor Johnson because it's holy crap it's the Fox version the one that we know for right. a fact is a mutant also 
Again, I'm not afraid to say the unpopular opinion. I thought Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver sucked, and I'm glad he died. I thought his performance was terrible. I remember leading up to it, uh, you had Age of Ultron and um, Days of Future Past coming out within months of each other. And so you had two different Quicksilvers that looked radically different. And I was just like, oh, God, Evan Peters looks terrible because he's got this weird, like, silver jacket and goggles. He looks so stupid. Look at Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's got a blue and silver shirt on. That makes him like Quicksilver. And then Days of Future Past came out with the kitchen scene. I'm like, okay, Evan Peters is hands down better than Aaron Taylor Johnson. And I saw Age of Ultron. And Aaron Taylor Johnson had that awful accent, which, if you noticed, is slowly coming back for Wanda. And I feel like... It is. Which I like. That's... That's that's character development at its finest. Sorry to jump in here. Like that's really really subtle and it's really cool. I just like there's this tension here. Like she's trying to control things because she's you know, she's trying to bring back Vision, you know, and she's basically saying this none none of this happened. I'm ex- literally existing in my own bubble. I'm done with reality. Uh, we we destroyed everything. I'm back now. Like we we get it. I just I see her just trying to hold on and trying to grasp. Uh, this reality of that they fixed everything, but they didn't fix her world. They didn't they didn't fix vision. So I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna you know I guess enslave this entire town. It just didn't make any sense that it's not her. It's not Aaron Taylor Johnson. But if it, she's playing and casting a role, that's where I, I think right before all this happened, she said, you know, as Vision was trying to hold her to account, she was saying, I'm not necessarily in all control. That's where, for me, if she was fully in control of everything and she was trying to comfort herself and reassure herself, then she would have brought back her brother as we know it in the MCU timeline. She would not have brought back somebody else, but then you you have to ask yourself, well, why does she recognize him? So there's something strange going on here. Like Those are the questions I have in my mind. Why does she recognize him? But if she was in control, why didn't she bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson's version? Yeah, I think, again, this is only like the halfway point. Um, but it just can't be an accident that we get a Fox character is the Quicksilver that she brings back. It's not an accident. It's not like they were just like, hey, you, Thomas Middleditch from the Godzilla movies, you're the new Quicksilver. It's deliberately Evan Peters. So that cannot be an accident. Um there's still lingering questions of is the devil Mephisto behind all this? What role does Agnes play in all of this? Uh, there's just a lot of theories going around. But bringing it back to the main topic at hand with the Luke Skywalker level cameo, we're not just pulling that yeah. out of nowhere. That's actually the phrase that's been throwing around. Do you think it's Quicksilver? Or do you think there's a bigger surprise yet to come? And if so, who? Well, you just said it, and I've been trying to find this. This is only the halfway point, five episodes in, so... The fact that this comes now, I mean, I mean, this is the, this is the what climax in storytelling. Now we we really hit the high point of like here's the big midseason twist. I would like to think, considering it's only halfway, there's something bigger at play here. Whether it's a reveal of a bigger villain, or it's the connection to well, it's going to end up having to be the connection to the, the multiverse of madness here, um, mm-hmm. which again is as a viewer they're going to have to sell it really hard because. I'm even struggling mentally to kind of keep things like what is actually going on here? What's the actual timeline? So I think they have some work to do with just general audiences, but I think they have them hooked now. They certainly have the fanboys hooked, but I there's got to be something coming. Like can you imagine like episode ten comes and we're just kinda of like, Well, I guess I guess uh Quicksilver was the big 
the big cameo. Like I, I don't see that happening. No, I think there's a couple others. Um, so let's run down some options that I've thought of. Um, and not just All me. Right. There's they're the popular names that are floating around generally right now. Um, okay. you've got Tom Holland because supposedly that's going to be one of the. You got Black Widow, but chronologically, this will be the next movie. So Far From Home takes place a couple months after this show. And then we know that at least we're kind of getting the vibe that the next Spider-Man will be multiverse related. So whether it's a like a trilogy that starts with WandaVision, then Spider-Man, then ends with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Maybe it's Spider-Man. Maybe it's Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I don't think so because the luke skywalker cameo was a shock factor it was a wow factor there was a big name that you didn't think would show up on the show tom holland while he's a big name i don't think would be necessarily that shocking if he showed up on a marvel show because he's a popular marvel character that's also why i'm kind of ruling out doctor strange because it makes the most sense that doctor strange would show up to me because we know Wanda. Uh, I almost said WandaVision is going to be in Doctor Strange. We know Wanda is going to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's like a collaboration. I come on your show, you come on my show. It's that's kind of what I get the sense it's going to happen. So, with those two seemingly obvious ones out of the way, let's go with four, four outside shots, um, from most likely to least likely. And all of these are incredibly unlikely, but that's why we're taking these guesses, because it can be fun. And if they are, all of these, I think, are Luke Skywalker-level cameos. Number four. Spider-Man. But you said not Tom Holland. Yeah, that's right. Not Tom Holland. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. If you want to do multiverse, you open up that multiverse here. If Wanda's creating a rift in the multiverse and basically pulling in everything and if spider-man's supposed to be a multiverse story there's no better jaw-dropping moment of holy crap i need to see the next spider-man than that spider-man's come back after all these years again out of left field all these are out of left field also it's convenient that i said four because my next one reed richards aka mr fantastic now actually i probably should have put this one as most likely because we know the fantastic four are coming at some point, we know John Watts, the director of the Spider-Man trilogy, is doing this Fantastic Four movie. And here's where I kind of pat myself on the back that I may have been right about something, if this turns out to be true. If I'm wrong, I'll come on the podcast and say that I'm wrong. Uh, I have no problem with that. So in um, last week's episode, episode four, when we first meet um, Maria Rambeau, she's walking through the hangar with the director of S.W.O.R.D. and he says, we've grounded all of our um, uh, what was it? Astro- We've grounded all of our astronauts. No, there's been no space missions since the snap. We're still missing some of our people. Well, in my Fantastic Four pitch, which all of you should... Oh, boy. All, which oh, all of boy. you should watch my Fantastic Four, pitching Fantastic Four in the MCU video. I Bring said, it. I said that what would happen and how the Fantastic Four get their powers is they go up into space and all four of them get snapped away in the snap. Then, when they get blipped back five years later, they're back on the space station, which is now in the middle of the cosmic storm that gives them their powers. They weren't planning on it, but they also weren't planning on being up there for five years. And since the world is in utter chaos, it's not like S.W.O.R.D.'s going to go up and get a loose space station. So it's probably still going to be orbiting around for five years. And we know that 
when uh, Professor Hulk snapped everybody back, he snapped everybody back more or less to where they were before, in relative safety, so they would be brought back to their space stations. And that would explain his missing astronauts that the director of S.W.O.R.D. teased. That's not the only tease that we got, though, for Fantastic Four. I think it was either in episode four or five. He said, I'm still missing my aerospace engineer. Tell me that does not sound like one Reed Richards. Now, if you want to get really, really meta with it. um, oh, What's his name? Jimmy Woo is the agent that's worked with Kat Dennings in the show so far. Yeah. This is my real, really conspiracy theory here. Um, he's known for being Asian Jim on The Office. That's like one of his claims, to, one of his earliest jokes and claims to fame before being in um, uh, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix and other stuff. A popular fan pick was also on The Office in one John Krasinski. I think it would be a fun joke is if he's the lead in to John Krasinski's Mr. Fantastic. Now, I'm that's my definitely stepping out there with a leap of faith. But I think we've got our first tease for Fantastic Four. And maybe Wanda's bringing them in somehow. Or due to the snap, they got their powers. I think this show is setting the stage for the Fantastic Four. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Mr. Fantastic appearance. So, I'm, if that happens, and that's how they get their powers, calling it, man. That's what I, I've said that for a while. Next. Wanda's father, Magneto. Played by Michael Fassbender. We've already got one Fox actor back now with Evan Peters. Imagine she keeps screwing everything up. We never saw what her parents look like. She, What if she thinks they died in Sokovia, but actually just their mom died and her father survived and has been in isolation as Magneto? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Magneto could be this shock cameo character. Which would unravel everything. That would be a huge surprise. Which leads me, of course, to my number one. And least likely to happen, but would definitely be the most shocking. When all hell is breaking loose, you need someone equally as powerful. Professor Charles Xavier. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Professor X cameo. Like a shock. Yes. X-Men are coming sooner than you thought. Like, Kevin Feige is the king of surprises. I'm sure he's wanted to use the X-Men for a while. Supposedly, he's got, like, the whole thing mapped out. We're not getting X-Men for a while. I think this is a situation like we had with Captain America Civil War, where they had two scripts. One with Spider-Man, if they could get a deal worked out with Sony, and one without. I think that's kind of the same thing that's going on with WandaVision. They have one script of, if the Fox merger went through in time, we have some X-Men. If not, we have other things happening. I wouldn't be surprised if this sets the stage for mutants. Mark my words. By the end of WandaVision, the word mutant will be said in the MCU for the first time, finally. So, yeah, those, those are my four picks. You, you see anything different? Any comments, Michael? Well, there's several comments. Uh, all of those are, in a way, ludicrous in and of themselves and also really, really cool. Uh, just to tantalize a little bit. Now, I just want to clarify, all of these people, you have potential John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, Tobey Maguire's version of Spider-Man. Are we actually talking about like James McAvoy's Professor X? Yes. And Michael Fassbender? Okay, so like, okay yes. that's what I wanted to add. Okay. I don't think, as much as I would love Patrick Stewart to come back, 
Right. I also yeah, don't just... want him to come back because Logan was so perfect, and also Patrick Stewart is getting a little too old to be our Charles Xavier. But sure, okay. So uh, the the thing that they have to solve here is that the idea that this multiverse has been open because Wanda is basically taking a whole town in a way hostage. What 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 are what are the purposes of her broadcasting in different genres of television? What what is the purpose of is she doing that? You think, or is that is that is there a greater narrative at work there? I think it was Kevin Feige and Marvel wanted to have fun and okay relive some childhood sitcoms that they watched. I don't know if there will be a larger purpose for why it's set in sitcoms, but maybe maybe we'll find out. There's a lot of unknown factors so far on the show. Obviously, okay. So so I was I was wondering where where, where you were at with that. Um, let me ask you this then. So, given what we know so far, and that this potential opening of the multiverse has now happened, now is there anything that you can see based on them introducing this version of of Quicksilver as as her brother? Are is is the show going to? Well, do you see the direction of the show kind of getting out of the sitcom thing? Like they're actually going to deal with this reality, and is this something that's going to change Wanda? At the moment, like the reason why is like, I'm trying to think of what direction are you thinking they're going to go in? Because at this point, I, I have no idea because depending on how you answer that, I might be able to give a better estimate on on what is more likely for which character, I guess. I think we will still get some sitcom stuff, but it'll be less and less with each passing episode because we had the 80s episode this past week. We're going to get the 90s episode this week. I don't know if we know any um sitcoms after the 90s we know they're going up to the 90s but i don't know if i know if we're going past that or not or if we're going to be in the 90s for a bit or if we drop the sitcom thing after the 90s because if we follow the timeline like those type of sitcoms really peaked in the late 80s and early 90s and then kind of they're still around but not to the popularity that they were with family matters and full house and all those so I think we'll get more of the mystery in the coming episodes. It's just we'll still have the the sitcom stuff. But okay. All right. Well, in in that case, I think if I had to ask, I'll give my answer and I'm curious how you'd answer this too. So, I I think for the sake of general audience because, you know, Marvel is not dumb. They've always made all of their stuff pretty approachable. I mean, heck, my parents and this is not an indictment of my parents. They're just not involved or heavily invested but if they can keep up and they can you know keep end games straight then i think marvel's doing a good job of catering to the majority of people and not confusing them so i think the least confusing thing would to be would be in my mind is that you would bring in something to connect to the very next thing and i think the most likely would be a spider-man and it would be on a Tony mcguire that that seems more likely to me because mm-hmm. of what's to come next and how connected we already know they're going to be mm-hmm. i don't i i don't see them not connecting them so that would be my my money but my question to you is what aside from your your probability high probability of being right because I, I owe it to you uh, you do call a lot of these things what do you think would help the audience out the most what pick do you think like well okay if they go down this direction that would best you know teach the audience where we're going to go instead of confusing them like what character yeah what um, character being what what Luke Skywalker yeah for shock and all yes but not like 
Yeah, but wait a minute. Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, we're, they're trying to avoid that response. So which in, introduction of which character do you think fits that bill of them trying to ease people into the multiverse instead of just, like, throwing it out there and just confusing them? Dude, it's never good when I have thoughts on the fly. But I, <laughs> I thought this might come with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but you're getting the wheels turning of... How should a casual audience be introduced to the concept of a multiverse? Well, maybe you bring in some actor that you just happened to re-sign his contract recently in one Chris Evans and have him as the Human Torch or an evil Captain America. Or an evil Captain America. In which case, everyone is still fresh with who Chris Evans was in the MCU. But if you say, here's him now. Oh, but wait. He was Human Torch or an evil Captain America. That immediately gets to people what a multiverse is and that's we know chris evans is coming back i said he's coming back for multiverse of madness as human torch and i still stand by that but if you want to introduce a multiverse like you're saying i think that's the easiest way to do it for a casual audience like our parents who may might not fully get the concept like i had some people right asking me like what's the significance of pietro showing up who like who is this version so exactly. clearly not everyone follows the X-Men movies and that's fine. They're they're they've always been distinctly separate. So I think you need to have somebody that people are familiar with but radically different. That's the concept of a multiverse to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so based on that I was I was actually going to to mention Captain America because of those rumors that you know he had re-signed and he's going to reappear in something. Uh, but they never confirmed well, I, at least from my understanding, they didn't confirm that he was coming back and reprising his role as Captain America unless maybe they did. I think people um, assumed it. That's why I've always said it's Human yeah. Torch. People assume yeah. that it's Captain America. Yeah, so like I think best, I think maybe Human Torch because of what the significance of Fantastic Four. You're starting to connect a lot of things in together. Um, so, but man, I, I don't know. Like this is a this is a monumental challenge. Like this might be one of the most ambitious projects as a TV show. Now I know it's a long game in storytelling because mm-hmm. obviously you got ten episodes, but I mean it's not like you have ten hours to do this. You're I mean some of these episodes are a half hour long. So uh, I mean this is this is getting really good. I will say is I'm I don't know. It's after those first two episodes just hooked me. And like there's something more uh, there's something more that's going on here, and I I, I am quite impressed. So what's actually going to happen, spoiler alert, guys, because I've seen the end of WandaVision, what's going to happen is we're going to have a repeat of the portal scene from Endgame, and you're just going to get hundreds and hundreds of J. Jonah Jameson's played by J.K. Simmons in various forms. Just go, we want pictures of Spider-Man. Go! And they all just rush into New York to start their own newspaper companies. That's that's how WandaVision is going to end. But I, I, I'd say that jokingly. But I well, I wouldn't be surprised if the J. Jonah that we see in Far From Home, which takes place after WandaVision, is a multiverse J. Jonah. Because yeah, that, he looks different than the Sam Raimi ones which he debuted in with the comic accurate hair and the outfit and everything. He looked different. He looked like Alex Jones. Um, so maybe he is a multiverse J. Jonah and we just didn't know it from the get-go. Maybe. Uh, we could keep talking about this, but we got to move on or else we're going to be talking about this all day. Plus, I want to talk about some Dracula. I like my, I like me some spoopy. Um, so, apparently, uh, the director of Eternals, 
sticking with the, the Marvel theme, has been approached by Universal to do a Dracula movie. However, she's going to have an interesting spin on it. She said it'll be a like sci-fi western. Um, I'm initially hesitant on this one because it sounds like such a out there concept, like a sci-fi futuristic western. Um, but I'll I'll trust this director because um, Kevin Feige trusts her. He said his pit her pitch for the Eternals was one of the best he's ever heard. Uh, but also she directed a movie coming out called Nomadland, which is getting really, really good reviews. Um, plus, I just love my Universal Monsters, and I want more of them. They're my favorite. Um, while Dracula is not my favorite of the monsters, it's probably still Invisible Man, I look forward to it. And if you're more of a traditionalist like me, we are still getting that too with Dracula. Uh, I may, I looked into it. Uh, we are still getting the Karen Kusama um dracula that's still happening the director of jennifer's body is still doing another dracula that's going to be more of a traditional take which i think uh is good these characters are malleable they're flexible you can do different things that they're like sherlock holmes or the joker you can do different facets to the character and i think that's what they're doing here i'm not gonna lie i'm more interested in the traditional take that being said we've had so many traditional takes on dracula so a sci-fi western by the person that's doing Eternals, sure, I'm down for this. Um, from everything I've read, Nomad Lance is beginning a lot of uh, high praise and highlighting, as she said she will do with the Dracula movie, highlighting uh, people that don't typically get the spotlight, like the marginalized and the oppressed. I would love to see a Dracula that preys on the weaker of society, the poor and the destitute, because they're easy victims to pick off. And it becomes like a village or society's boogeyman, basically. It's their version of Candyman. But it's Dracula. That could get me very, very interested. Uh, Michael, since you're the king of horror around here, what do, you, what do you think about a new Dracula movie in addition to another Dracula movie? Yeah, yeah I, I'm much more... I, I'm, I'm honestly much more interested in the former than the, this latter pitch. But, you know... A new ideas and the fact that there's a reputation here. I'm not going to be skeptical by default out of the gate. It's just it's just kind of hard to picture it in that particular um, uh, climate, that context. Like a what is it? What is what is science fiction in a western? Like what does that look like? Does it look like a cowboys like and I'm aliens? To, yeah, like I'm I'm like and you're gonna you're gonna throw Dracula in there like actual like vampire or is there is it a metaphor for uh, for Dracula, like they call they call this person dr like Dracula because of what they do. Like, does it actually mean they'll have fangs and suck blood of people? Like, if they they go if they're gonna go non traditional in the context, they might go non traditional in the character, which which would interest me more uh, because I like the idea of where the Dracula, like the actual history and the lore behind, you know, the actual character itself, and as a vampire, like in haunting, and you know, like you said, I don't know, man, it's difficult. I, I will say, I'm, I will, I will be a little optimistic. I will watch the trailer and decide then. But I got to see Eternals. Like you can say it's great, but like I like see Eternals first before uh, I go too gung ho for this. That's true, and uh, I like that Universal. Ever since they got burned hard with the mummy in the dark universe which let's take a minute to just laugh at that stupidity remember that picture that 
had all of them gathered together going, this is the future of our franchise. And then the mummy came out and, oh boy, that was a movie. Um, I'm, I appreciate that Universal learned from that really, really quickly and are quickly going, okay, we still want to do our classic Universal Monsters, but we're fine with them being strong individual outings that are completely detached from each other. Like, The Invisible Man, while it wasn't my cup of tea, um, it did what I think this Dracula movie is going to do. A radically different take than the original that's more for a modern audience, and that's a great thing. Um, we know we're getting a Van Helsing movie. Hallelujah! Uh, I'm the director of Overlord. I'm super amped about that. But Universal is learning their lesson and making best the best possible use of these characters by not having them connected. Yes, I would love a MonsterVerse, but I don't need them to be connected. Um, just tell good stories more than anything. Because these characters have been around for over 100 years in cinematic form. or getting close to it. They saved Universal before... If they're in dire needs, they'll always go back to the well that, basically, the replenishing well that is horror for them. So, I th- I think this is a good idea. They're encouraging creative freedom. They're just going, you've got a nuts idea? Go for it. Let's do it. As opposed to, alright, universe first, story second. So, I think Universal's, learn- Universal's learning their lesson, which can't often say for a lot of studios. Now, this was definitely surprising for sure. Um, I think it was, can't be last year, because nothing happened last year. Um, two years ago, I believe, uh, at, was it Comic-Con? Yes, Comic-Con. Kevin Feige came out at the end of the, uh, big Marvel presentation and says, Oh, by the way, we're doing a Blade movie with Mahershala Ali. Ever since then, we've heard crickets. It's, doesn't have a release date, it's not going into production anytime soon. Well, that might be changing, because... Blade now has a writer. Well, one of the main writers that worked on the Watchmen TV series for HBO is now writing the Blade script. Okay. Yes. 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 A thousand times yes. Um, Whatever gets Blade to the MCU the fastest, I'm all for. Blade is awesome. And as soon as they said Mahershala Ali, I was like, oh. Oh, yes, please. And the fact that Mahershala Ali actually came to Kevin Feige, not Kevin Feige coming to Mahershala Ali, shows to me that he really cares about this franchise and is serious about it. From everything I've read, he's been very active in the search for writers and directors, so there's this passion for him to get this character done. For those that don't know, Blade is a vampire hunter who, in and of himself, is a vampire. Um, He's pretty awesome. He basically kills the undead. Um, it's a little out there, but the MCU is getting out there. Um, now, Michael, I know you haven't seen Watchmen, but I'm sure you're at least somewhat familiar with Blade. Is this a project that you're interested in, and what do you expect from a Blade in the MCU? Yeah, it, they're running out of uh, normal people in the world. Uh, that's the that's the thing is that uh, it, it's always funny because I'm curious the timeline, honestly, because they always say like once Tony Stark came out as Iron Man, it just kind of was the domino effect to allow a lot of people to kind of be uncovered without shocking the world into basic oblivion. So I'm really curious when they'll want to do this. Uh, the idea of like aliens and stuff is already you know that's obviously in the MCU, but. We're talking about like more supernatural. Like you're getting closer to the supernatural. Um, that for me is 
Blade in, like, in the MCU doing what he does. I'm wondering if they're, like Marvel has always done, they reinvent the wheel. So I'm wondering what exactly is going to be done. But, so yeah, I've, I've only seen bits and pieces of Watchmen. But if you trust that movie, trust the talent, then really at this particular point, there's not a lot of actual bad things that, that Disney and Marvel do. Like, just straight up bad. At the, at the worst, it's like, it's okay. But it's never, I don't think Captain I've ever Marvel? watched a... I, seriously, I saw that twice in theaters. It wasn't, it didn't bother me. It didn't, it's not, it's not a bad film. Like, are we going to go out there and say it's eight, like, it's horrible? Like, no. I, I think might. that's hype. It's hyperbole in the other direction. It's just, yeah, but look at the bar they're setting. Like, I've never really watched a Marvel movie personally, and if I'm being honest, or uh, and said, that was a waste of time. I really wish I had that time back. I really haven't had that for me personally uh, because I've watched movies uh, like Tenet where I ironically wish I would have had time back. <laughs> um I don't know, man. Like, I'll I'll stay positive. I'm interested. Like, I I like that idea that they're gonna go with, and I love Mahershala Ali. Like, brilliant casting here. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be successful, but I do trust Kevin Feige. So, I think uh, the reason why I'm super super amped for Blade is we know the universe is rapidly expanding. Uh, we're getting more cosmic soon um, with Sword basically taking care of. Um, intergalactic threats or opening the threshold to the multiverse. Well, what if we open the threshold to hell and all the dark forces of the MCU? We've got some darker characters. We know that Deadpool is coming to the MCU and it's supposedly going to be R. Will we see more R-rated darker characters in the MCU soon? Blade is cool. But I think Blade slowly creaks the door open for one Ghost Rider. And maybe a Blade Ghost Rider movie um, or other dark characters that don't necessarily fit with the vibe of the Avengers. Like the squeaky clean Captain America or the should be an alcoholic Tony Stark, but well, he's dead now. But the very distinctly PG-13 and you could do a PG-13 Blade or Ghost Rider, but they inhabit a different world in a different realm. Like, Doctor Strange is the protector of the magical realm. Blade, Ghost Rider, and others, they're definitely the protectors of the underworld, so to speak. Um, And I would be all for that. If we're expanding everything, let's expand below as well as above. Now, someone that I think would be perfect for that exploration of the below, because he seems to love his dark and edgy is one Zachary Snyder. And he's, of course, made some waves recently with his Justice League that will be coming March 18th. I'm not going to lie. Some pictures that we got today at least make me curious about one scene in particular. We knew during reshoots that he was bringing back the Suicide Squad's Jared Leto for some scenes. And I was adamantly against it and i'm still kind of on the fence well today he revealed the first look of what he looks like in the movie and i'm not gonna lie he looks terrifying but i don't even need to see any of his scenes he's just immediately better than what was in suicide squad because he doesn't have stupid damage tattooed onto his forehead anymore that was one of the single stupidest decisions they ever made was just those tattoos this looks creepy 
He looks like the crow, um, but not as cool because the crow is awesome. Now, Zachary, Zach Snyder also um, talked in an interview about what role the Joker has, and I'll kind of delve more into it because, believe it or not, Michael, it's exactly what I asked for when we heard the Joker was coming back and oh. kind of the the logic of... The logic of the character and the logic of killing Robin, so to speak. Uh, but before we, before I go on, because I'm I've got a longish rant on that. Before we get into that, you see very creepy images of the Joker. What do you think? Gosh dang it! I might have to get HBO Max. That's what I. Are you serious? Yeah, it's it's immediately what I thought. It's immediately. Holy crap! Went through, my, went through my head like I I went almost 180 degrees on this just because of like you had to explain it to me today because I was kind of I was so confused because it's, so it yeah, so it's so different. It's so different. I really didn't know what I was looking at. But here's the thing: kind of like Michael Bay, Zack Snyder does a very good job at hyping people up, and so I'm not all the way there. I'm not all the way there of of spending money, but I'm close. What I'm gonna do is let you watch it, and then if you say I need to, I will absolutely sign up for one month of HBO Max. We are getting a trailer this Sunday for some reason. Um, it's like, it's, <laughs> two, it's 2.14, the original runtime for the movie. I'm like, that's an odd Easter egg, but okay. Um, <laughs> so I have screamed to high heaven ever since it was officially confirmed by both David Ayer and Zack Snyder that I hate the decision that they made with the Robin character in Batman versus Superman. So we see the dead Robin outfit and all his comic book fans are going, Oh, awesome. They've got Jason Todd, the dead Robin that comes back as red Robin. Nope. That's the first Robin Dick Grayson. My favorite comic book character of all time has been brutally massacred and he's dead to this universe. Thanks Zach. By the way, Nightwing video coming in a few weeks, hopefully, and hopefully by the end of this week, I might actually post a full scene on the Facebook page. Um, I have a completed scene that's just gonna, just gonna bait you just enough. It's just sucker you in. But yeah, I've been pissed for a while about the fact that you have a character in the comics that was in fact killed by the Joker, just served on a platter right in front of you, but yet you chose to kill a fan favorite character in Dick Grayson. However, I always said that there is a way that Zach can explain this that I would actually be 100% on board with. And believe it or not, I think that's the route he's going with based on what he said in the interview. I said when they announced that it was Dick Grayson that was dead was this sucks because it means Nightwing. There's no chance in hell of Nightwing ever showing up in the DCEU at all. He can't show up. It's not possible because he's dead. But if his death means something greater, then maybe. Because I made this argument to Josh. No Robin, except for maybe Damien, who is his own flesh and blood. There is no Robin that had more an emotional connection and meant more to Batman than the first with Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson was literally the heart and the optimism for Batman for a lot of years. And when he left to be Nightwing... That caused a major rift, and the character kind of retreated back to his dark and gloomy for a while until Tim Drake came along and kind of made him less of a jerk. If the reason why Batman 
murders people willy-nilly in Batman vs. Superman without a care in the world is because he lost basically the equivalent of a son that meant the world to him. It makes me mad that it's Dick Grayson, but I also believe it because I understand, and that's one of my favorite things about the character, is how much he means to Batman that you can't just kill Jason and that's what sends Batman over the edge because Batman didn't have that relationship with Jason, but he had that relationship with Dick. And if he's going around killing people using guns, Alfred even says in Batman versus Superman, um, because Bruce says, uh, we're criminals, Alfred, always have been. Um, and Alfred says something about, uh, turns good men cruel. Uh, so clearly Batman hasn't always been this way. And I said, I would like for a scene of Batman and Joker to just talk like you took everything from me. I'll never kill you for some reason. I'll kill everybody else, but kind of explain the reasoning for why it was Dick. Like there is a storytelling reason why it would make sense for him to kill Dick Grayson, my favorite character of all time. But if it was the catalyst for change and that's actually what sparks Bruce Wayne's story arc from going from murderous thug to at the end of Zack Snyder's like whole five story arc that he planned out Batman sacrifices himself and kind of redeems himself if the need for redemption is sparked by Dick Grayson somehow I'm more okay with that that makes more sense because then you still technically had a role for Robin slash Nightwing slash Dick Grayson even if it's not a role that I agree with, it still makes him a vital character and echoes that he's the heart of the character and that heart of Batman. And that all comes down to what did Joker do? What are we going to get out of the scene? If it's Batman and Robin, Batman and Joker, I mean, talking all at the beginning of Killing Joke where he's just they're talking face to face or uh, for you, Michael, um, in The Dark Knight when they're talking across the table. If they're talking across yeah. the table to each other about why did you do it? Um, and Joker kind of explaining his rationale of why are you bringing kids to battlefields? Why are you doing this, that, or the other thing? I'm more okay with the... It, actually, to me, that makes sense for why Batman acts the way he does in Batman versus Superman. Still doesn't forgive Jared Leto's performance in Suicide Squad. But I think this time around it'll be better. Just by that picture, it's better. But it also explains and justifies to me why it was Dick Grayson and not some other Robin. Um... Yeah, that's my long tangent. Um, would that be something that gets you more on board with the story that's been told as a whole, Michael? You still still kind of disagree with some choices that have been made? Well, I disagree fundamentally with a lot of the choices that have been made in the DCEU. It just, oh, just adds another. Yeah, it just adds another layer on top. But um, I just have, I have a question, though. Is, is it possible that the Joker, as we know it, is actually Dick Grayson? No, because they've made it pretty clear that um, he is for sure dead. Because there was a lot of speculation that one of the Robins did become Joker. Also, okay. don't put that idea in my head. Because Zack yeah. Snyder would do it. Just go, I hate Nate. Nate's a horrible person. I'm going to just ruin everything he loves. Um, well, you mean, know what? We're not just going to kill Dick. He's going to come back and be the Joker and cause all Batman's pain and misery. Because... That would piss me off as a Nightwing fan, but also it would piss off all the Red Hood fans because that's essentially what Red Hood's character is, not Dick's. Dick is supposed to be the optimistic one. So, yeah, I could see Zack Snyder doing that, so don't 
don't wish that upon me. Well, I, it's, I'm just, it's rough enough, man. I'm just wondering, like, yeah, not just somebody being killed would push him over the edge, but what about some uh, just the idea of betrayal and it's a living betrayal of it? And you know, as a reminder, I don't, I don't know how they would explain it. I just don't. Is is this because remember, like, the timeline here? It's going to be interesting to see how he directs him, but. I'm I'm sold just the fact that Joker's gonna be in this movie now. How long is the runtime again for this? Four hours. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so is is this is this whole thing like a re like are, are these films like the the theatrical cut whatever this is? They're not gonna be close. They're gonna be basically two completely different movies, right? Well, this is double the runtime of the original. The original they forced it to be under two hours for yeah. some reason. I still think that's stupid. Uh, but also, this Joker scene we know is from the Nightmare Future scene. The ni- Nightmare Future from Batman vs. Superman. Zach has said that, and I'm just going, do we have to revisit that? Because, <sighs> well, he also said in this interview he wanted to have a scene with Batman and Joker because he thinks it would have been crazy to have a Batman with Ben Affleck with a Joker and never have them meet. I'm going, they technically did in Suicide Squad, but... It's actually a decision that I kind of agree with him of of the fans would have wanted at least some point for Batman and Joker to meet. And if we're not getting any more Ben Affleck Batman movies, which I still firmly believe we're not, I think he's done after The Flash, then I get Zack Snyder wanting to do this fan service. And I, I think that's kind of cool that he wants to do this. He said that this was not originally in his story of what he filmed, and this was one of the reshoots that they did to add to the movie. Um, I don't think it'll be anything big. It'll just be a scene. I just think it's odd that it has to be from the nightmare future and not a flashback. Uh, he said we'll also get an answer as to why the Joker card is in Batman's gun in the nightmare um, scene in the future. I'm just going, again, I, he, why? Why does he have to have a gun in the first place? But Snyder, I will let you tell your story. I can't properly judge your story until it's completely told. And so far, we we haven't seen it completed. Um, just because I don't like the middle of a trilogy doesn't mean the entire trilogy is going to be crap. So as much as I bagged on the Snyder Cut, I'm still going to have as much of an open mind as I possibly can with this Justice League. I just... I don't know. He did also share a teaser of... Uh, Victor Stone, a.k.a. Cyborg, leaping into the end zone when he still played football with some outstanding music, which got me thinking, if nothing else, this movie could be a dumpster fire. And I don't think it will be. Um, If nothing else, we are destined to have some outstanding music. Because say what you want about um, Zack Snyder movies, but they're always scored beautifully. Like, I don't like Batman vs. Superman, but that's got some bangers for a soundtrack. Um... I think after the Snyder Cut, to me it'll go Man of Steel, Justice League, Batman vs. Superman. I think I will like this significantly better than Batman vs. Superman, but I still won't love it. But I I want to be wrong in this. Yeah, this is going to be interesting, man. Um, I, I Again, I don't know what to think of. Uh, the, like, why... I guess, like, why does this exist? Like, it's it's just so odd. Like, it's HBO so Max deep- subscriptions. Yeah, it. The it's the why behind it that I sometimes can't get around because um, the whole thing was was bungled from the beginning. I mean, the DCEU is, I mean, it's making a name for itself. Like the one thing that is somewhat refreshing is that you're never gonna get a formula. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we bring up this last topic because I feel like it was just last week, Michael. You asked me if you had to say, what are some movie projects that are like reboot proof that will never be touched? I think I said Back to the Future because legally I don't think Robert Zemeckis will let them. And Wizard of Oz. Well, dang it, past self. Why couldn't you be right more often? Or at least wait a little bit until you're proven wrong? Come on! Because it seems like while they're not outright stating that this is a remake, uh, the director of three of the nine episodes of Watchmen has been tapped to do a new version of Wizard of Oz. Now, I won't openly say that this is a reboot because they haven't said reboot in any of the official articles that I've read. They're saying it's an adaptation of the L. Frank Baum book, which I'm going so Wizard of Oz then. Um, And apparently I didn't even know this, but doing my research there's like 13 Oz books. So that makes me think maybe this isn't a reboot of Wizard of Oz. Maybe it's like a Narnia situation of you can pick your spot in um the timeline that is the oz world if that's the case i'm much more interested oz has had a spotty record let's say um apart from the original movie you've got wicked which is still a hit broadway musical and supposed Mm -hmm. to be a movie sometime soon but then you also have sam raimi's oz the great and powerful which is less than spectacular um the problem with Wizard of Oz has been and always will be the book is public domain, but there are certain aspects of Wizard of Oz that are copyright. So it's super, super weird. Like, um, if I remember correctly, Oz the Great and Powerful, when Mila Kunis is the Wicked Witch, there was like certain things that she could and could not do. Like the skin, the green color of her skin couldn't be a certain shade of green or her costume couldn't look too similar to the original one it's super super weird um i'm not immediately opposed to this because if there are 13 other books in the world of oz it sounds like a narnia situation of there's a lot of fun things to explore besides just what happened to dorothy and the terrifying return to oz um so in that sense that could be interesting will a movie studio do that I don't think so. I think they'll remake Wizard of Oz, but won't ever call it a remake or reboot. They'll just say it's an adaptation of L. Frank Baum's version. I'm like, was, well, was the original movie not accurate enough for you? It's something different this time around. Michael, you see they're touching a beloved classic. You mad? Or are you just, what are you doing here? Well, I'm rather ambivalent at this point, but let me do me you a favor and let me in this next week talk to my uncle my uncle, a big film fan, uh, he his like passion is the Wizard of Oz. Like he has trinkets, he has almost every single version of media for this that was ever released. He's a Wizard of Oz fanatic, and I say that in a positive way. He knows everything about this. His documentaries. I mean, it's his favorite, obviously, film of all time. And I mean, the amount of actual like decor related to the Wizard of Oz would stun you. It rivals the, the biggest Star Wars fans. And so I'd have to ask him about this very thing because if it eventually you know, makes its way through production, 
he'll be able to tell me all the facts and figures and why this is different and what it is. So I'll have to ask him about what he thinks about this is if he has seen the news and then I'll come back to you because, like, seriously, he's a professional. He's he's that guy you'd want to phone a friend if you had a million-dollar question about the Wizard of Oz. So what you're saying is he could while away the hours, confirm with the flowers, consulting with the rain? Well done, sir. Um, Very the, well done. I may or may not have known that because um, I may or not may not have been Scarecrow at one point in a high school play. Awesome. Awesome. But, yeah. Is this something to interest you at all, or no? Um, I I, will, I didn't see Oz the Great and Powerful because my uncle said it wasn't that good, so I'm like, well, okay, if it's not that good, I'm not going to go see it, uh, considering he's the expert in my life. Uh, I Again, uh, there's a theme tonight. I'm, I guess it's just the mood I'm in. I'll be cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm starting to try to be a little more mature and say, no, nah, I'm just not interested, or no, this is really bad. I'm trying to be more About holistic time. in my approach. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. There's still some things that I'm gonna still be ad- adamant about. But like an hey, Uno movie with Yachty producing it. Uh, listen, there there are things that I can accept and there are things that I cannot accept. This is one of those things I can accept, unlike what you just said. Although I said, I think I shared this on Twitter when I saw that. Yes, Little Yachty, the rapper, is doing an Uno movie. I was going, okay, that sounds dumb, unless. It's about a family that slowly falls apart over one game because I've seen some terrible things go down during Uno games. Uh, one of my former jobs, kids would play Uno, and I've never seen someone play so competitively as these group of kids played Uno. Like, like if fights started, it was because of Uno. And, like, they would consult the Uno rule book and be like, that's not how we play it. Or, well, okay, I didn't know Uno has its own cult, but Uno out. Um, with that said, let's get into our main discussion, shall we, Michael? Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by... Hmm, looking around my desk. Hard drives. I don't know. I, I'm blanking on stuff. Let's talk well about sports. Done. Sports. As much as I hate Tom Brady, he proved himself to me. On Sunday, he earned my respect. Um, I said I will never consider Tom Brady the greatest of all time unless he ever somehow wins without Belichick. Well, he did, and embarrassed Patrick Mahomes in the process. Although, Pat Mahomes still looked pretty decent with some of those throws if only his receivers could catch stuff. Um, And don't think I didn't see some of those baseball sidearms. I know a former baseball player when I see one. Um, but we're not here to talk about real sports. We're here to talk about fake people doing real sports. By that we mean best movie athletes. Any sport is fair game. Uh, fighting, baseball, football, basketball, anything. So long as the character is fictitious. So any biopics like Ali, Moneyball, um, anything like that, not going to be considered today because those are real people. We need completely fake people for this. Um, let's kick us off with the obvious one, the one on the banner, Mr. Italian Stallion himself, Rocky Balboa, who, one of the best fighters of all time. Now, let's just treat this like they're actual people that exist in our world. Rocky's one of the best fighters of all time. If I remember correctly, he only lost, like, two or three times on his professional record? Um, I remember, I know he lost to Mr. T., in a fight that he really shouldn't have lost. 
Uh, now, maybe when he was still a bum, when Mickey wouldn't train him before he even fought um, Apollo, maybe he lost a couple there. But come on. When you think boxing movies, you gotta go with the Balboa. And I think part of the reason about by why Balboa still resonates is it's so human because at the time it was Stallone. There's no Stallone movie I think that's closer to his heart than Rocky because uh, the original Rocky movie was his last shot. It was his last chance to more or less make it big. And he was so insistent of, I'm the one that's got to do this. I'm the one that's got to write this because it's my story. Uh, And I think that's really why the first one works so well. And at the end of the day, Rocky's just a fighter you don't want to mess with, man. Rocky's the best. Even if he may or may not have brain damage, by the way, he talks. Rantlers! Yeah, that... I mean, that's on my list for obvious reasons. Uh, He's an icon. Rocky is an icon in in the same way that if you don't know... If you've never seen it, you still know who he is. Like, that's when you know it's powerful. It it reaches multi-generations. And still to this day, which you'll, you'll talk about... Well, we we will incessantly talk about like what eventually passed on with this uh, excess of Creed and Creed Two. Uh, you still have Rocky being a part of it. It's, it's carrying that name uh, and that name recognition along with it. So couldn't agree with you more. It's on my list. You said everything that needs to be said. Um, one thing I, I do want to ask you a clarifying question on is that what if what if a real person plays themselves but in a fictitious movie, not a bi- biopic? Are you thinking like Michael Jordan in Space Jam type of situation? Exactly who I'm thinking of. I, I would disqualify I... that because oh. here's why. Because they're factoring in real world events that happened with Michael Jordan of his retirement right. slash maybe ex- suspension from basketball. If you're a conspiracy theorist, um, right? like they factor in very meta slash real things. Um, so I would kind of rule out Michael Jordan. Um, however, I don't think I would rule out LeBron James for Space Jam 2. One, because I haven't seen it yet. And two, I don't know if it'll, like, dwell on the reality of LeBron James or if they'll fictionalize him at all. Uh, before we completely depart from Rocky, I gotta ask, have you seen all of them? And if so, how would you kind of rank them? What's what's your top? What's your worst? Yeah, I, I, this is, listen... This is really bad. I have not seen one Rocky movie from start to finish in my life. Not one. You are an like, embarrassment I, to film. I am. I, I truly am. There are so many things on here. I honestly shouldn't even be on the podcast. I should get down on my knees and go, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Do you even Which know what never, that's from? Yeah, it's from Wayne's World. I've okay. never seen that all the way through either. Okay, so, at uh, least you know yeah. what that's from. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I've seen Creed. I've seen Creed 2. And I, I think I saw, like, 80% of Rocky when I was like seven years old. Uh, but I know of him. I think if there's anything that's like, you, ha- I have to give respect where respect's due. Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean that there's, that it's illegitimate. You know, it does not mean that it's not good. So I, I've got to give my props there. So thank you for clarifying. And Michael Jordan, by the way, I, I'll remove him from the list. I, I will just say, even though this is not, it technically would be a movie, but it was a release for TV movie uh, with this whole series. Those can count. As an, uh, as, okay. Good, because as an honorable mention, I guess, is every single kid in Rocket Power. Uh, I know it's animated, <laughs> but like, like that was one of my okay. favorite shows growing up, and it was right at a time where Tony Hawk was getting on screen, like on the scene, because I know like ESPN 
uh, televised the X Games in, in the late 90s, and he landed like the first 900 ever, and it mm -hmm. was massive and broke a lot of records for like audiences. And then this show, Rocket Power, bringing extreme sports, you know, like uh, street hockey, surfing, skateboarding, rollerblading, um, snowboarding, like all these things that are like, I've got to watch the X Games, like the Winter X Games every year now. So for me, it had an impact. And it was always like living vicariously in a state where I couldn't do all those things. I'm like, that's awesome. So, so that's an honorable mention. Um, but something that's sentimental to for me, uh, I was a runner growing up. And wait a minute, you told me I can't do bikes. I literally. Were you going to do Chariots of Fire? Yes, I was going to do Chariots of Fire, like Eric Eric Little and uh, and Harold Abrahams. Like I can't. How do I not do this? Like they're like I. I don't know. Like, I'm not a huge fan of of a lot of sports movies. I'm the ones that are like fine. Real, we'll include so. biopics from Michael because he's illiterate film wise, apparently. Although, yeah, well, although I... I will take a shot here. <laughs> I will take a shot here. I have seen Chariots of Fire, and I've never been put to sleep faster. Oh my it, goodness, that movie is it, so boring. I would rather, much rather watch March of the Penguins again than it, Chariots of Fire. It is, I will say, it, the movie's iconic, but not because it's uh, good. It, not because it's a page. To, well, um, it, it, there's a lot of symbolism, and there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of meaning. There's a lot of meaning in there, I, but it's made in 1981. I mean, there's not a lot of films compared to nowadays that will keep my attention. Um, you know, 40 years ago, but yes, I was good. Okay. How about that? We'll just say as an honorable mention. Okay. I, I so, don't like the fact that you said 1981 is 40 years ago, even though it is I'm going, yeah. Oh yeah, that's 20 years. Uh, no, it's not. All right. So let me, okay. Let me stop about this. How about let's do Notre Dame, a committed guy who's down on his luck, but never gives up. And the whole team rallies around him. How about Rudy? Can we put Rudy on that list? Sad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can can we at least put him on like one of the best scenes in movie history where the entire team, you know, lines up and gives their jersey to allow him to play? I mean, come on, like that grown men tears at that point when the entire team and this last day, his last game, his opportunity to get in the game and they all sacrifice and say, Coach, take my jersey, you can have my spot. That is iconic. And it shows a commitment to the little guy, not because he's a hobbit, but to the little guy. <laughs> I mean, come on. That that movie would will make anyone cry. So Rudy is on my list. I got to ask because of your upbringing, and I mean by that your location of where you yep. grew up. Do you have any hockey-related players on your list? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I absolutely do. Are they the uh, Mighty Ducks? I cannot confirm <laughs> nor deny. <laughs> okay, let me get some in before we go down the Mighty Ducks road that I'm sure we're about to go down. Um, okay, please. Actually, before I completely leave the original one, um, Rocky cannot really be said in the same breath anymore without Adonis Creed, who mm -hmm. still, I think, mm -hmm. just like the movie, has a long way to go to me to prove that he's just as good of a fighter as his Ill illegitimate dad. Uh, but that's primarily because when we see Apollo in the Rocky movies, he's towards the tail end of his career. Whereas Adonis, it's like just breaking into the mainstream slash kind of height of his career. So we'll see what kind of road they take for Creed 3, which makes me super excited that Michael B. Jordan's the one directing it. Um, but yeah, Adonis also, I, he does have a professional loss under his belt in Creed 2. I was like, 
what's his record? Is he a good fighter? Because um, we do actually see Rocky's record at some point to see what his final stat was. Because I think in Rocky Balboa, which, Michael, that one you need to see. That one's uh, the sixth Rocky movie. It's the one where Sylvester Stallone's older and hasn't fought in a really long time. But story-wise, it's the closest to the original. And it's actually my favorite is Rocky Balboa. I think that one's excellent. Um, but Adonis, come on. If you've got Rocky, you've got to have Adonis to just balance the scales. Plus, he's the new generation of fighter. Rocky was like, the I could take all the hits and I'm the bruiser, whereas um, Adonis is very much like his father, where it's the slip the jab, I'm quick, but when I do hit you, it's going to hurt a lot. He's the new style of fighter, the speed, as opposed to the, in the words of Rocky's trainer, Rocky Balboa, Blunt force trauma. When you hit him, it's going to feel like he started kissing the express train. Yeah. I've seen Rocky Balboa way too many times. Um, Let's see. Let's talk about our only, at least for me, my only non-human on my list. Um, <laughs> and some of you are going to be super, super confused, but Michael knows where I'm going because yeah. sent to my list. Air Bud, the greatest dog basketball player of all time. Air oh Bud, I don't think he ever missed a shot. And in true style, came from a horrible upbringing to be a fantastic basketball player. Because tell me, I was not the only child of the 90s that watched Air Bud and was traumatized by that scary clown man that owned Air Bud. Um, he was terrifying so bad. Um, come on. I don't care that he's a dog. Can your dog play basketball better than Air Bud? No, because Air Bud is a baller. He's the best it says in the rule book the dogs can play well actually it doesn't but it doesn't say they can't so he's one of the best basketball players of all time i don't care if you're mad yeah that i i can't believe you saw it on my list but i mean i grew up watching them i mean i i at one point in my life i don't know if i don't know if i haven't if i haven't seen one i i've i've seen all of them i think because I mean, once you've seen one you have to see them all i don't uh, know man have you seen there's a lot of them. They still come out to this day with Air Buddies, oh. Space Buddies, oh. Christmas Buddies, MXP, Most Extreme Primate. Like, come on. I don't know if you've seen all of them. Uh, well, I guess the ones that were good. Like, wait, ones that were good. Like, who am I kidding here? I don't know. The ones that were – I mean, I don't know. When they start coming out in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, was, I saw all of those for the most part. Um you know, I, it was funny. Is like when you're thinking about, about on these, like I was, I was actually when you saw Airbud, I was thinking like, how can I get more creative here? And I was thinking of all like the Disney originals, like movies, like I like Strike. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Flashback. Think, shout like, out to Alicat Strike. You're welcome, uh, Heather. Wow, what, what a that's that's a that is a throwback. I, I was also thinking like what, the original movie, like Disney Channel original movies. Was there anything on there? Yeah, what was I, the, I um, like changing lanes or something. What was the drag racing yeah. one? Yeah, I think that's. I think that was the. Yeah, I think exactly that's. Yeah, there what was the, changing was, lanes. So. There was. Uh, what's the the guy's name from Luck of the Irish with Evil Lassie from from Psych? Um, oh yeah, him, I, don't, I don't know. Um, full Court Miracle with the Jewish basketball yes, players. Exactly. They were legit, yeah. and that, God was on their side. That's why. I remember something about like the candle staying, like the generator staying on, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Full Court Miracle, guys. Disney Channel is Full Court Miracle on Disney Plus. There's so many questions that I have. There, there should be. Uh, that was an amazing, like, 
like quality film. I thought like for for what it was, like it's like it shouldn't be that good. Speak um, real quick. He's not an athlete, but he should be considered one. I've been searching for it forever, and I just bought it off YouTube. The famous Jet Jackson movie. I'm about mm. to be real happy because I'm gonna watch that for the first time in a very long time. Because for some reason Disney Plus refuses to put that on their service, either the movie or the show, and I hate you all. I, I'm not that I'm gonna like. This is gonna be really bad. You might hate me for this, but I, mean, I, mean, I already are do. Put, are we gonna put it past Zac Efron and High School Musical? Like that movie was huge. Like. I don't know if you, cause I mean, yeah, he was a, I mean, he was a basketball player. He won in whatever the state championship or whatever it was in that in that movie. And, and I remember he was secretly the villain for the whole movie. <laughs> Think about it. He comes in late, wants to steal the spotlight from people in the drama club that have actually worked and earned their spot, and yet he still wants to divvy up time between drama and basketball, which are both full time commitments. Yet he steals the spotlight away from people. Sharpay and Ryan that are actually trained and have studied and worked hard for this shows no actual effort into joining the play and just is there to hook up with Vanessa Hutchins, which, okay. Um, (laughs) And then nothing really comes of it. He's not a good person, at least in that first movie. And he has, I still remember to say, he's got that weird off-putting tan in the second one, like ridiculously over the top on the bronzer. Um, I don't think I saw the third one to know what happens. Maybe he died or something. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really care for anything after that because people, it just blew up and everyone was singing it. I'm like, I just, I couldn't. Dude, go beyond. Oh, boy. okay. What, if you're, you if we're throwing out High School Musical, we gotta throw out one of mine and Heather's. This is like Heather's favorite Disney Channel original movie, Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, Man. That man could slide into home plate yes. and oh, cook an omelet gosh. without cracking. We could crack an omelet with one hand. With one hand. With one hand, do you remember how they advertised that too? It's like they we have two food fights in this movie. <laughs> it's like you're an oh, athlete. Oh man, at that now point. I gotta see Eddie's million dollar cook off. Yeah. But that yeah. just transitions me perfectly. Eddie can't be the only baseball player on my list today. No, it's just I can't. It's not possible for me. Um, I'll go with the the general pick of we saw more of this guy perform at the professional level so we know he's good as opposed to my other guy we only see him in one game so maybe he just had a fluky good game uh the guy that we saw decent amount charlie sheen in major league as wild thing vaughn i love major league so much and i just love the concept of a closer that's only good at his job when he wears his glasses like Come on. And I'm still mad we haven't gotten a new Major League with all the original cast coming back, except this time as coaches. Um, the Indians still suck, so it could still work. Um, right, but right now... It's basically a biopic. <laughs> but right now, unfortunately, it's not the Indians that are going to stink. It's going to be my Rockies, because I hang my head in shame at the stupidity of our management going, hey, let's give away our future Hall of Fame third baseman to another team and give them $50 million basically for free. It's all good, guys. We're not rebuilding. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, but. Hmm. Yeah. I, I got nothing for you there. I'm a Tigers fan. I was so, about to say, yeah. your Tigers aren't that good either. However. No. My Rockies often get beaten by the Dodgers. This man is one Dodger that I could never hate. Benny the Jet Rodriguez from the there Sandlot. Oh, Benny's. Benny's what all baseball players should strive to be. He encourages the love 
of baseball into everyone. He, uh, I'd like to believe that Benny's the one that started the Sandlot, and he's the one that roped everybody in one by one. Maybe he started with the great Hambino, which honorable mention to Ham Porter. Um, then he invited Timmy and Tommy, um, and then he invited Yeah Yeah and Squints and um, oh, who's the there's the tall one. Um, and then eventually Smalls came around. I like to believe Benny's the one that got everybody involved. Benny is the friend that we all wish we had at some point in our lives. The one that's fears older and is kind of the big brother of the situation, but is like the hero of, he's just cool. And it was awesome to see that he grows up to be the great star base dealer for the Dodgers. Who knows? Maybe he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Um, but at least he had sweet feet, like sweet feet from holes. That's another one to add to the list. Um, any time I can mention holes, I'll do it. I love holes. Um, if we're doing biopics, I'll throw out a name that's special to me because it's one of my favorite scenes in any baseball movie ever. Scott Hatterberg from Moneyball because that scene is wonderful. Of Scott, we want you to play first base for Oakland. Whoa, whoa. I've only ever played catcher. It's not that hard. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. Like, I laugh every single time. I just applaud going, yes, no one appreciates us first baseman until we screw up. We're like closers in baseball. No one ever notices you until you do something wrong. Um, so anything with Scott Hatterberg, learning to be a first baseman, it touches my soul in all the right places because <laughs> I love you first baseman, people. A good one can save your franchise. That's why the Rockies have sucked ever since Helton left. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, great picks. I mean, The Sandlot, one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the very few movies I had on repeat all the time as a kid. And still one of the best endings, too. I mean, the, the whole idea gives him a thumbs up. He has a thumbs up. He looks over at the photo, and then it fades in. Like, come on. Like, it's that movie is iconic for good reasons. And the interesting is that Ben and Jet Rodriguez, a hero in real life, is a firefighter. Yes. Like, an actual actor. Like, that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, like, but I can't, I can't agree with you more. I've never actually seen major league. So sorry. I know what a surprise, I think but you would like it if you saw the TV version. I don't even, I know you don't particularly care for swearing and there is a lot, but if you see the TV version, yeah. I think you would really like it. It's a lot like airplane type humor. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I know, I know my dad has seen it and usually my dad sees movies. I'll end up watching them eventually as well. Uh, but the the Moneyball, you're the one who told me about Moneyball, and that was even before I knew anything about Aaron Sorkin. Oh, and Moneyball actually is so watching, good. Yeah, watching it with my parents. Um, I don't. I think it was like my freshman or sophomore year of college that we watched it together, and we had a blast. And so I owe that one to you. Uh, good picks, like saw all all around, uh, fantastic picks. Um, I want to throw out uh, if we're gonna we're gonna stick with the sports theme. Obviously, that was a joke. Just see if you're paying attention. Um, nope. I, I want to go back to another film of my childhood. Uh, we're going to go football this time. Stick with my football thing. We just talked about Rudy. Uh, we're going to talk about two people. I'm kind of cheating here, but they but when I reveal it here, you'll understand. Let's revisit the 1960s um, and uh, race relations in the, in the country during the Civil Rights Movement. And let's talk about a football team that had to deal with that and how they came together. And I have to talk about Gary and Julius from Remember the Titans. Oh, I was um, thinking The Express with the Jim Brown movie. Oh, no, I I had Denzel Washington, 2000, uh, Disney movie, again, uh, another another theme. But, yes, the Gary and Julius relationship 
and how they played off of one another, and then on the performance on the field, the emphasis, you know, on the defense first, you know, not not the flashy offense um, in in the particular film. Like, absolutely love it. And you know, for me, uh, that that was one of those ones that obviously um, transcended any sort of sports. Uh, and, you know, that was it was a greater narrative. But they are actually they are actually part of like that state championship winning football team. So. Yeah, they are great athletes and great characters. Remember the Titans, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, movies of all time. Also, because I know we probably won't bring it up, um, not the greatest team, but I just got to give an honorable mention for football movies to Facing the Giants. It's the only good Christian movie ever made. I'll go on record <laughs> saying that because Christian movies are garbage. They're just sermons with moving pictures. Um, yeah. They're not good, except Facing the Giants is not actually – that bad okay good stuff yeah so i have three more how many more you got michael uh well you're gonna have to go ahead because you disqualified a lot 50 of mine so i i got one left and it's the one that we share which one do we share are you you said something about hockey didn't you i don't have any hockey players on my list oh oh you don't okay so i have one i don't think hockey's a real sport i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i was like Man, like wow, he went there. Uh, yes, I got one left, and it's it's my favorite. It was the first one I thought of on this list. The goon. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're a troll. What's wrong with the goon? Listen, I, you said you said things were I don't know. I don't know the goon miracle. Um, uh, what's the Ice Princess, the one with Michelle Trachtenberg as an ice skater. I don't know. What are you talking about? I don't know. I'm just prolonging the inevitable. Yes. What do you have? Fine, take the focus off me. I'm done. Like I, you beat me into submission. No, you haven't even point. you haven't even said anything about what uh, you said. I, I, well, I, my my last one. If you want me to give my last one, is uh, it's because from 1992. We've already talked. We've actually talked about this many times, and it's the fact that I'm not actually excited for this series is, is because. Is it from '92? Yes, it's from '92. It's it's yeah, it was before you and I were born, and I know well, I told you I'm not excited for this very movie, and it's because I have such fond or this this new series, excuse me, is because I have fond memories of the Mighty Ducks, and it's Charlie Conway. I wanted to be Charlie because he is a temp- He's a good leader. Yeah, uh, he's before or D three the Mighty Ducks where he's uh, terrible, uh, and at least in the first two he's he is sacrificial. He is there to just corral, hold morale, and lead his team. He's obviously the hero, um, and in the first one against the Blackhawks, and he's willing to give up his jersey and sweater in uh, the second one for Adam. Like he's willing to help coach, and then he's a teenager basically, and, and that's basically everything in D three. But the, this idea that like he it was like the the DNA he's the strands that hold everything together uh, for the Mighty Ducks like that was like the person I wanted to be as like and I never never really pursued hockey ever but it was like that's who I envisioned so for me my top movie athlete of all time Charlie Conway from the Mighty Ducks franchise. Fair enough. Figured Michigan boy you have to have at least some hockey. It's like I have in your to. blood. It's, um, it's the one thing we had we had a lot of success in Detroit Red Wings uh, from the from the 90s mid 90s all the way through the, like the late 2000s were 
great. I mean, they were phenomenal. So, I mean, until, hey, you got... Until you got beat repeatedly by my special avalanche. If yes. I have to claim loyalty to any hockey team, I'll, I'll be an Avs fan being from Colorado for so long. But, yeah, I know the one kryptonite that the Detroit Red Wings have. It's the Avs. Um, yes, yes. I do not have any hockey players because I, I don't watch hockey movies. I like Miracle, but I I abide by my rules. Um, My next one, though, is the greatest um, punt returner in Alabama history. Because when you say, run, Forrest, run, he takes oh. it very, very literally. And he just <laughs> runs straight home. He is the single greatest punt returner of all time. He is a special teams Hall of Fame. Like, Hall of Famer, every single time he got the Heisman because he was unstoppable. Guaranteed touchdown with Forrest. He's just the best. Sure, there's not a lot going upstairs, but when you're a football player, you don't necessarily have to have a lot going on upstairs. So, Forrest Gump, we don't talk about his athletic prowess. Not only that, he's a multi-sport athlete. He's got football. He's a cross-country runner. He's a ping-pong champion. He's a multi-sports star. I don't want to mess with Forrest Gump in any sport. I bet you he could dunk on MJ. He'd probably be a baller in basketball. I don't know. Forrest Gump could do anything. He's a sports savant, and I don't think we get enough credit as an athlete. He's a five-tool player if ever I've seen one. You know, <laughs> I forgot I forgot about the ping-pong because that's what did it for me. Um, the fact that, I mean... <laughs> Forrest Gump is so much bigger than his college career, and I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch, but the ping pong sells it. I honestly never in a million years thought you would have put him on the list, but I'd say well done. It's not like he wasn't an athlete. I mean, it's Okay, just, maybe I'm it's biased because the past, like, month at work, I've been doing nothing but football highlights, and I'm just like, punt returning is hard, and the fact that he consistently does it and gets a Heisman because of it, like... They don't just give those out to... Mm, okay, well, maybe they do. Um, <laughs> but Forrest Gump's football abilities cannot be underrated. For- Forrest Gump was special. Anything he could have done, and he would have succeeded at. And I think he could have been one of the greatest football players of all time had he not been in love with a horrible, horrible human being. Yeah, that's fair. I've that's always fair, hated fair, Jenny. But... I've always thought Jenny was uh, a horrible person. Well, she is, but, you know, I mean... She comes back around only to die, but you know she comes. She she goes around in the end, and hey, you can't blame the guy. He he. She treat, but the thing is, she treats him humanely. She never treated him uh, like another person or low or lowly, and that there is something to be said about that. And then, because we gotta always bring it back full circle. At least their kid can always say, "I see dead mom." Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a bit okay. All right, I, I gotta give you credit there. Like that's uh, as brutal. Okay, first off, that is brutal, but also pretty funny. <laughs> Where is Haley Joel Osment these days besides voice acting? Can can he come back? Um, lastly, I've got a pair. I couldn't decide who who is the better the better combat sports athlete, Daniel Larusso. Or Johnny Lawrence from the original Karate Kid. Because Daniel LaRusso won, but he won with an illegal kick to the face that the ref just happened to allow, as Cobra Kai makes blatantly clear. I think Johnny Lawrence is the much better fighter and has much better form, because Daniel only really knows defense until much, much later. Um, I think Johnny's a much better fighter, and especially... 
given Cobra Kai, which is like the best show on Netflix. If y'all aren't watching Cobra Kai, it's amazing. I I always think um, Johnny was the better fighter and the better person. Because if you really rewatch it, almost everything that happens to Daniel is self-inflicted. Like, there's several points in the movie that Johnny's just like, okay, I'll back off if you back off. And Daniel's like, all right, fine, I'll back off. And then as soon as Johnny turns his back, he'll do something stupid to him to egg him on and egg him on. So I, it's hard for me to have pity on Daniel LaRusso because he kind of deserves everything that happens to him. But he mastered karate really, really quick. And actually, another two-sport athlete, Daniel is really good at soccer. Let's acknowledge that. That's how he got Allison in the first Karate Kid. And then in the grand Karate Kid tradition, the love interest from the last movie either disappears by the end of the movie or gets broken up with by the end of the movie. There's three Ralph Macchio Karate Kids and three different romantic interests in every single one. Um, I Of course, i got to have Karate Kid in there. I'm still high on Cobra Kai for a while. I have been for years. If you had to pick, Michael, Johnny Lawrence, Daniel LaRusso, fight to the death. Go. Yeah, I, I would, obviously I'd pick Johnny. Um, uh, but listen, um, the fact that you brought out like the martial arts, I, I never would have considered it as an, an athletic prowess. But you're you're very you're absolutely right to do so. Um, yeah, when it comes to like technical form, I think in, in something like that, um, anything can happen once. I mean, a- absolutely. Um, but when you look at more of the uh, am I still with you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, my uh, something just happened with my computer here. I apologize. You're good. Uh, but everything went black. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe, like, sorry, did I offend somebody here? I'm like, it's maybe I should say Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> external um, forces. External forces going. You will say Daniel Larusso. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, I I think when it comes to like discipline. And something like that, it's gonna win out on the long term. I mean, anyone can have a bad day fighting, and so if I were, if you were to hold my feet to the fire, I would say absolutely. Some the person with the more experience and discipline, uh, and putting more of their time in, is gonna have, you know, at the end of the day, you say fight to the death. I'm gonna give it to the guy who's more disciplined. And honestly, if we're saying all Karate Kid um, characters ever, I don't even think Johnny would be the best fighter. Uh, for those that remember Karate Kid 3, Mike Barnes, a.k.a. the Devil Incarnate, the most evil kid ever, Mike Barnes is probably the best athlete slash the best fighter. The only reason Daniel even beat him to begin with in Karate Kid 3 is because, well, Mike Barnes more or less let him because Daniel did his kata, which threw off Mike Barnes's, um routine. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm kind of a big Karate Kid fan. Um did karate for quite a few years, so that's kind of why I'm having a leaning towards, yes, we want to include them in the athletic competitions, because they're athletes too. Um, Cobra Kai, I think, has gone a long way to refreshing the lore, it's weird to say lore with Karate Kid, but it's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? Renew the interest in Karate Kid, but also show that if you're doing a reboot, it doesn't necessarily have to be bad. You just have to have fans of the original franchise that have love and care for it like the show is really the relationship between johnny and daniel and it's done so so well but also don't skimp out on the athleticism and the fighting prowess like it's all there and i'm i'm all about it any last second additions or any last minute thoughts you got there michael uh not not for this one this was really difficult like this was a uh, this is something that it's more obscure but i think it'll get people talking so i'm very curious to to see what 
um, our, our viewers are going to say here because undoubtedly we, we will have missed something that we will be shamed for or embarrassed that like, oh my gosh, how did we miss that? So please let us know and connect with us on all the different social media platforms and wherever you get your podcast because this this program, Nate, I will say that you have you've put a lot of energy and effort in here in this last year. You made a lot of strides, and it has been a blast to 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 come on board this roller coaster uh, that um, you are you're trying to reinvent every week. And uh, I love this, man. Like I'm having a blast doing this with you. Thanks for for continuously uh, pushing us and, and seriously. Get us that Nightwing thing now, please. I am so much anticipating it. I'm so glad you said something. Um, so I'm kind of like, I'm not editing it order. I'm just like kind of going through the assets that I have available and kind of slotting them in like a puzzle of where they fit. Um, so I've got like a full scene done here and a full scene done here and a full scene done there. Uh, by the end of this week, maybe Thursday or Friday, maybe maybe Friday as I can end the week. Surprise. Not even surprised since I'm saying it here. Uh, but maybe Friday afternoon, I'll drop a full scene from the video just to kind of oh, just to wet your great. appetite. And let's just say the scene I'll probably post will feature a character that y'all know and love, um, but not the one you may be expecting from a Nightwing slash Robin movie. Let's just leave it at that for now. Um, but yes, I'm still chugging along at that as best as I can. I'm really, really liking how it's shaping up. Um, awesome. that's all I'm going to say for now. But, um, what do you guys think? What are some of your all time favorite, either biopic or fictional movie athletes? Let us know in the comments below. Always like hearing from you guys and feel free to subscribe to us whenever you get your podcast. That's Spotify, iTunes, Google podcast, or YouTube. And if you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, we've got plenty of other content besides the podcast coming all the time. So, yeah, subscribe there. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.